Hi, I'm Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. Most welcome uh, to uh, to this uh, Favre webinar. Um, I joined today, uh, you know, with uh, with Jerome and with uh, Altor, and uh, being um, Swedish, I guess I'm totally bastardizing uh, both your names here. So I'm going to give you a chance to correct me here. Um, I'm just going to do like a quick framing here of of um, of the conversation, and then we're going to go a little bit deeper. So, so basically, um, if we look at the media landscape, there's there's, there's a lot of things that have happened recently that are not only disruptive, but, you know, like super disruptive. Um, one of the things is that uh, film and TV um, is for sure not where it used to be. I remember I've always been a bit of, you know, of a movie buff. I always really like movies. Um, and it was always like that, you know, movies, that was the good stuff. And TV was kind of like second grade, right? It's almost like it turned around now. You know, it's like if you look at landscape today, uh, a lot of the most premium content you will find on, you know, on Netflix, HBO. Uh, if you look at what Disney now is doing with Disney Plus, you know, it it, it it's really, um, it, it's it's really a different landscape. And and of course, you know, being kind of the geek that I am, I'm very excited about what's going to happen now with uh, Lord of the Rings and you know, and Amazon. And if you look at you know the, the amount of money they paid for those rights you know, to, to, to do that, you know, it, it's quite astonishing. So so there's, there's, there's a massive change you know, that happened there. And the way that we consume uh, is also very different. You know, we we today, you know, it's it's subscription-based, you know, and that that's how we that's how we buy. And and that of course goes across so many industries and 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 definitely within within media. We have other things, uh, like for example, I I remember that um, uh, in one of the annual reports uh, by uh, from from uh, Netflix, they were stating that you know the biggest competition here is not HBO. The biggest competition here, you know, is, is Fortnite, because we're competing for people's time. And um, and 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 if you look at the, what, what's been happening now during uh, COVID. It's been a it's been an issue with uh, content for for TV and film because it's been hard to produce. And at the same time, you know, you've seen that game companies that have been able to operate in a distributed fashion, where you know working from home has not been an issue, they have thrived. And 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 today, you know, the game industry is is bigger than the movie and the music industry combined. Um. So 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 you have all these these uh, these uh, changes that have, have happened. Now, um, this also means that it, it changes, you know, how we how we work, you know, how we collaborate. Um, what's going to be the new normal after COVID? Um, seems like everyone's talking about this right now. Are we after COVID going to go back to the normal way? You know, we're going to go back to our offices, or are we going to have more of a hybrid approach or even fully remote? And what it seems like is that 
a lot of companies are moving towards more of a hybrid approach. And there's been surveys that basically say, uh, the ones I read have, have mostly been from the US, but I think it's probably about the same also in Europe. And, and when people are asked, they will say that if they can work you know, two or three days from home or two or three days you know, from the office in a week, that will be the ultimate for them. And, and a lot of companies are simply now you know, moving into that. So we're going to talk a bit about that as well. But enough you know, of framing the subject from my point. I want to uh, jump in here uh, to, um, you know, to my webinar guests. And, and uh, uh, Jerome, uh, RixTV um, out of Norway is, 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 a, is a superstar company, um, have an amazing reputation. But I, I would dare uh, saying that, you know, the whole kind of origin of, of you know, how you came to be, so to say, has a bit to do with all these changes um, that I was, I was talking about now. But, uh, but I'll, I'll leave that to you. So, you know, maybe if you can just uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how this company came to be and, and, you know, how you see how you fit into all these kind of changes happening right now. Yes, first, uh, thank you for, for your invitation, uh, Patrick. A really interesting topic, so I'm really happy to be here to, to talk about it. Uh, you had a very good introduction about uh, how the media industry is changing, and uh, I'm going to explain how it affects, uh, it has affected the XTV and how we've uh, we've adapted over the, the last years. Um, so, for those who uh, don't know about us, we're a Norwegian uh, TV aggregator. Uh, we have about 10% uh, market share in uh, in the Norwegian market. Uh, we're a subscription-based uh, company. Uh, and we launched about 15 years ago with a very traditional business uh, model. So we were uh, we were on a DTT network, so a terrestrial uh, network, and we were proposing subscriptions with basically just uh, 15 TV live TV channels to our customers in Norway. So quite traditional, quite uh, quite uh, easy business model. Uh, and then we saw that uh, there, um, the market started uh, changing after a few years. And uh, the, the biggest change was uh, Netflix. And they launched in Norway in 2012. Uh, and after that, it was quite obvious that uh, things started to change in a, in a faster and faster way. And the market uh, started going uh, towards streaming. So less about uh, traditional broadcasting, traditional packaging, and uh, much more about streaming. And it meant a lot for the, the whole industry. You know, the viewers went from uh, traditional uh, TV watching commercials to uh, more and more streaming. So it disrupted the, the whole industry. In the beginning, um, most actors uh, didn't really change the, their ways of working. But uh, as you mentioned now, you know, with Disney Plus and HBO Max and things are really happening at a, at a huge uh, pace. And, uh, and a few years ago or many years ago, what we saw is that, you know, it was strategically uh, key for our success to be an agile, to become an agile company. Uh, because things are, are going to change so fast. Um, our uh, partners are going to change so fast that we need to adapt to that new situation. And so we went from being a quite traditional company um, to being a company that's, uh, that became a hybrid company doing both uh, traditional broadcasting and streaming. Uh, and we went from a traditional organized company to a 100% uh, agile way of working. 
so that's kind of kind of the start of our of our journey there. And I think that's a that's a great cue here, actually, for for you know Haldor to come in, um, because you talked about you know why um, you know you wanted to become an agile company, Drum, and and you know Haldor, you know what, you know from your point of view, what is typically you know the kind of you know triggering thing that you know makes a company decide, okay, you know we we really need to embark on this journey. Uh, you know, they they will give you a call. You know, they want they want they want to help with this change. I mean, what what is the typical trigger points? Uh, <clears throat> I would say that um, uh, when a company starts thinking about um, maybe to expand or or get more out of the working force uh, that they have and and see that the market around them are are uh, changing, uh, they uh, that's for the most of them the, the trigger point to see. To, to start looking at the things, new things uh, they can do and ways of working, so they also can keep up with the uh, with the market and uh, and um, uh, they often start with uh, with all traditional waterfall uh, development and so on in in IT department and and also uh, when they see that uh, in, in different uh, different uh, areas see that the the, the People are changing, but the the, the organization is uh, old-fashioned uh, yet. So 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 they see uh, the need to to be uh, open to to new new thinking and new ways of working in the working force instead of uh, not necessarily the, in the in the management, but to see uh, how they can adjust and 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 fulfill the the needs uh, to the market. Uh, in a different way, because uh, everyone has to adapt to the new ways of working now, and uh, those who has started uh, know that uh, that's a new new start. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, the old ones, if we can call them that, uh, are curious and, and wants to see what uh, what can be done. So, so um, yeah, I would say that. So, so, so follow up question on the, on that. Do you? Um... I mean, I think it's an old truth in in kind of change management that if you are in a deep crisis, uh, change is actually relatively easy to achieve because everyone, you know, wants to survive, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, if you have a company where you know maybe the leadership of the company see that you know we are on our way to get into trouble or you know miss an important opportunity, but maybe the organization thinks, hey, we're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, is this a is this a typical uh, situation that you see, and and what do you typically do then to to kind of get that awareness, you know, in in the teams that you know change uh, is important? Yeah, uh, good question. Because because uh, um, uh, when uh, a company in, is in crisis, if you take that uh, that one first, uh, they are more or less desperate to do something, but uh, not necessarily know what to do. And then we start uh, uh, see on what do they do, what do they have, and uh, how is the ability to change both the people and, and the organization and maybe the production as well. Uh, and then we go in and see where we can start uh, adjusting and, and do something with, uh, with the, uh, the bottlenecks that we uh, can find and then uh, start working um, more and more agile. So, so being agile is not a journey that takes uh, uh, one month or so. It uh, takes up to maybe maybe a year uh, to to get in in the pace of, of working agile. 
uh, and along the way we we had to do many adjustments and and redo any adjustment as well so um so uh, and and the tool uh, set that they have is also a big part of this i would say it's definitely a journey that that can take several years um yeah. it's uh it's a never ending uh, business uh, once okay. you start there uh, you you are passionate about uh, driving more change and the organization becomes also passionate yeah. But uh, it has to start with uh, a deep understanding on where you are and that uh, you are extremely transparent and open on the challenges, uh, how the, the industry is changing, what does that mean for you? And that, uh, I mean, it has to, uh, everybody has to understand why you're, you're doing it and you never under, underestimate the number of times you repeat those things and you learn, never underestimate the number of times that you, you discuss uh, those, uh, those issues and and you have to be more and more open and transparent about uh, why you are doing it. Exactly, exactly. And and I also uh, always start with asking, uh, what do we not change at uh, this moment? Because the, uh, there can be a lot of fear and for losing their jobs and, and whatever when we start up. And then we, we also make a list of what are we not going to change uh, at this moment. And um, so they don't have to be afraid of these things, then. Yeah, that's, that's a very, uh, that's a very good, uh, good idea. Um, how do you have you also seen? Um, you know, if I start with you, uh, Jerome, um, from a recruitment point of view, um, um, do you find that this is an important part of um, you know recruiting talent? Um, you know, also making you more competitive from that point of view, um, or would you say that kind of um, you know, business agility is not really anything that, you know, the, the talent think about, or, I mean, what's, you know, the kind of recruitment angle here, you know, what, what, what do you, what, what's your um, experience there? Our experience is that it's extremely important. Uh, if you're going to recruit uh, good talents uh, those days, uh, that has to be uh, one of your key promises. Uh, we, are, we have a um, very clear experience about it. Uh, a few years ago, we had, for example, zero IT developers in-house. And uh, when we started uh, thinking of uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting people, it was really, really hard, uh, you know, to start building uh, internal, uh, internal workplace and explaining why you should come to our company, what is, what is so exciting about uh, joining us. And today, uh, many years after that, you know, we can see the, the exact opposite is that it's a very easy um, story to sell to people who want to, to come to, to the XTV because, uh, because of the way we're working, you know, we've been, uh, we've uh, quite often are used as uh, references in the, in the Norwegian market on uh, how we've changed over, over claim. And, uh, you know, everything we're trying to do and achieve around that, it's a really great story to, to, to sell to people who would like to join the company. And I think especially uh, if you're looking at, uh, for example, uh, developers, uh, it's extremely important for them that uh, the company and the whole company, not, not just the IT part of it, but has the, that mindset and uh, wants to work that way. How do you, um, I mean, if we turn it around a bit, you know, instead of um, looking at, you know, this, you know, making the company attractive, but also looking at uh, what's the new requirements for the people now that we want to pull in, you know, it's, it, you know, 
it, is, there, is there a change in, in the way you see it? Is that is there somewhat different skill sets that you're looking for uh, to fit well into a company that has come quite far in, in being agile? Yeah, I think if, uh, if uh, by skill sets you're referring to cultural skills, uh, it's definitely uh, something that's uh, that's really important. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you have to you have to think differently in terms of um, wanting to work in a in a team, uh, not be interesting in your uh, own success, but that the whole company is succeeding, uh, understanding and wanting uh, change and accepting that you know. You might work on something uh, this month and in a couple of months from now, you know, we're going to have focus on this because this is the thing that's the, the most important to us. So have the, you know, the willingness to, uh, to adapt, to be really interested in, in uh, changes and, and not, not think I first, but us as a team first, that's, uh, that's really key. Um, you know, uh, Haldor, from, from your point of view, um, have you seen that you know your clients have also updated you know their thinking around you know who they're looking for or oh yes yes and that's part of the the things that we also try to to make the client aware of that uh, you have to attract new kinds of people and um, and uh, it always uh, ends up with team players because uh, you don't uh, Get any further with um, with the uh, people who are very very old fashioned sitting in a dark office in the end of the hill to to, to work. So so um, they're always looking for for uh, agile people and and uh, and people who wants to adapt new changes and and so on and uh, and also keen to to have the team be a part of the the interviewing process and so on to see if the person fits into the team. And, and so on, because uh, uh, it's more more on the personality uh, than always, uh, as, as before, very keen to, to have everything on, on stake on, on the, on the um, uh, knowledge and so on. Because um, if you have an adaptable person in the team, uh, they will always learn what, what they need to do in the, in the team. So uh, really yeah. for, for people with the, the hunger to, to do new things yeah um you know let me share two things around that you know one is um um you know i, I often use the term uh, t-shaped personality as in you know t yeah. that you know when you're hired especially on a junior role i mean there's some kind of speciality you have but 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 you need to have that like also with um because it becomes so much easier to collaborate when there's there's, a, there's an interest and a at least some kind of basic skills around what the other people are doing. So if we talk about, um, uh, you know, let's say development, you know, let's say a programmer, but that also understands, you know, quality assurance, have a rudimentary understanding of design, you know, et cetera, you know, it, it becomes so much easier for them to work together as a group if they have that kind of somewhat overlapping on, you know, on that T. Yes. Um, the, the second thing, you know, um, I would like to share because you mentioned this thing with um, you know having the team more involved, and one of the best examples I've seen among our clients, this is an, uh, one of our American clients. What they do um, is that they have a process for recruiting people that's let's say a little bit more general, uh, where they're very uh, focused on you know kind of 
you know, what kind of type do, do, do they look for? Um, and it's a lot, lot, you know, that kind of T-shaped um, personality thing. But then once they are in the final stage or maybe even hired, what happens is that then the, the, the squad leaders of the various you know, squads, they pitch uh, to these new recruits why they should come and join their squad. And I think it's such a great practice because um, for several reasons, you know, one is that the person who comes in will feel so appreciated. It's like, okay, now someone is like pitching to me, you know, why, why I should come and, you know, join their particular squad and why, you know, they are the coolest ones to join. Yeah. Um, but also it creates a very strong feeling of ownership uh, from the squad's point of view. They, you know, they, it, it's like the squad leader becomes like the CEO of the squad and, and, and it's, it's like a little startup within the bigger company. And, and, and they're like, well, you know, we're, we're going to be the most attractive squad to come work for at, you know, at this company. And I, I think it's a very, you know, good, you know, practice to, you know, practically achieve, you know, some, some, some of these things. Yes. Um, I would like to, to move on a little bit here. So um, the, when it comes to culture um, and, and, you know, Halloween, you mentioned before, you know, tools, I'm obviously, you know, quite biased in that question. Um, and the, what I often talk about is organizational gravity, uh, that when you try to achieve some kind of change, uh, there are going to be these kind of things that, you know, pulls you back. Um, it can be incentive systems, it can be old culture, but also tools is one of the strongest contributors to organizational culture. So, you know, you, you know, we often see that companies that do a lot of things right, um, you know, and then they go on, you know, the Baijira, you know, and which is very, you know, like central, centralistic, you know, so you say, oh, we want to have autonomous teams. But by the way, if you want to update any process in your tool, you have to call IT, you know, um, which, which, um, which is not great. And, um, but, you know, without talking about, you know, Favre specifically, um, when it comes to, to organizational gravity, what, what, do you, what do you see as kind of the biggest, you know, forces that, you know, pulled organization kind of you know, back into the old and you kind of have to fight a little bit against? Um, Jerome, do, do, have you had that um, experience or maybe you still have that experience? Yes, I think, uh, I think what's key is that you, you uh, choose tools that support the culture that you want to, that you want to, to have. Uh, and as you were saying, there are some pitfalls in there because uh, however good the tools are, uh, you might want to go back to the, to the old way of doing it. And so, you know, we, we, we for example, chosen uh, tools as uh, you guys, uh, Favreau, and uh, as well as Schleck, for example. And uh, one of the ideas there was to have uh, very uh, open tools and flexible tools and, and increase the, the, the communication uh, within the company. Uh, but uh, whether you're choosing that or that tool, uh, you you always have that pitfall that you know uh, people could have like a, um, a closed uh, channel on on Slack, for example, or they would not post enough information or explain what they've done or uh, showed on Favreau where to find those things. So you know the the cultural dimension is extremely important for people to use those tools uh, in in the way you want and and promote uh, open uh, open communication and uh, let the team talk to each other and and, uh, and work with each other. Cool. Uh, hello? 
Yeah, I would say that um, uh, I totally agree uh, with you, of course, uh, but uh, it's also uh, the ability of the tool to adapt to the change because uh, you don't want the, the new uh, organization, if you can call that that, to adjust to the tool. I want the tool to be adjusted to the new business because uh, uh, then then you can have uh, fully value from the from the tool then, uh, if you can uh, adjust it uh, along the way if you change roles or you change uh, the teams or uh, or uh, whatever or want to collaborate with the other teams and so on uh, i want the tool to be adjustable in a way that um, uh, you can try out new things and you can uh, uh, finally decide on this is the way we want to work and also uh, a big importance in, in the way you're working in agile, agile teams is that you, you want this, uh, this loose uh, kind of working. Uh, you, uh, if you heard of the tight, loose, tight uh, uh, methodology, uh, that the tight uh, part is uh, the, the goal and, and the, the objectives that you are aiming for. Uh, and uh, the loose in the middle is the way you do the work. And then the tight in the end is then the follow-up and learnings and, and so on. Uh, and, and easily adapt and, and, uh, and adjust your, uh, your way of working to, to uh, the new, uh, new tool then. So, so that's the, I think that's the best part of the, of the follow-up is that uh, you can easily adapt new ways of working and, and to fit all levels in the organization. Yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, if we go back to, you know, why we created this in the first place, I mean, what we saw was that because um, my fellow co-founders and I, we built another company before that was very focused on helping, uh, you know, software development teams become more agile. So it was very, you know, kind of enterprise grade uh, and focused on, on the software teams. But then we saw that, you know, um, the whole, you know, the agile way of working was crossing over to other teams, you know, like marketing, operations, you know, HR, basically everyone, um, you know, because, you know, that's, you know, the world is changing so fast. So, you know, adapting to change is becoming so important, not only for software developers, but for the whole, the whole company. Yeah. And what we're seeing today is that, uh, you know, if you look at an organization, you know, having the product development become, let's say, 10% more efficient or so, it doesn't matter so much because the biggest problem, the biggest pain is to get product to be in sync with marketing, to be in sync you know, with operations, to be in sync with community management because everything is happening. And, I mean, my, my favorite example you know, are you know, game developers because, you know, if it used to be, you know, back in the days that you know you develop the game for you know for three years and you know, then it's done and you ship a disc, you know, you put it in your PlayStation, and it's just not how it works today. It's like today it's a continuous product, and there, there will be drops of content and features pretty much every week, and uh, and marketing has to keep up with, uh, with with releasing that. And I think we see this happening with almost every industry that's becoming more and more like this. So this kind of ability to to uh, to be in sync um, is key. And, uh, you know, it's very, um, you know, the military actually discovered this a long time ago, 
that having very centralized command doesn't really work. You know, you need to have what's called you know mission command and you know decentralized um, uh, command. Where going back to what you said, Halder, about you know you know tight loose tight. You know, needs, you know the mission needs to be very clear, but exactly figuring out how to achieve that, you know, that needs to be up to the teams and 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 very often. If, if that requires collaboration between you know product and marketing and others you know then then there's a need for a very uh, collaborative planning which is exactly um what, what Favre was designed for so you know this is a change in the market that would happen with or without us you know we we, we simply saw you know what's the challenge coming up here and, and we wanted to make a, a you know like a next generation product for it I think you're pointing to one of the biggest pitfalls that we've seen in our in our journey is that uh, um, people think uh, autonomous teams. You know, that's that's where you start. That's where where everybody starts in the in the agile journey. And uh, and as you're talking about collaborative tools, for example, and the collaborative part, it's it's all about a hugely complicated balance uh, exercise. You know, because you want to both have the autonomous teams and everybody is aligned and collaborate towards the same goals um, so you need to keep that, that balance and it's it's the, the, I think the, the biggest people that we've seen in our agile journey is that uh, you want to go autonomous and then you forget about that dimension which mm-hmm. is the most important dimension in the agile uh, principles yeah. I agree yeah, the, I, yeah I have this uh, I, I often like to say that um, uh, alignment um, enables autonomy. Um, if if you're able to achieve that uh, alignment, you know, without centralization and without traditional command and control, um, you know that that it's almost like the contract, you know, the, the the trust contract that that creates that allows the teams to be, you know, you know, highly autonomous. You know, if if if, if everyone's just kind of going in different directions, I mean. For a while, it might feel good that it's like, yeah, you know, we're autonomous, but um, you know, it's gonna be, uh, it's not gonna be great for the company. And unfortunately, I think uh, one of the common, um, you know, uh, mistakes that happens is that, you know, you have an organization and they, they try a high level of autonomy, but they did really think about, you know, okay, so how do we achieve alignment in a modern way without centralization and without command and control? And then the teams are, are kind of all going in different directions. And then senior management says, well, this didn't work so well. And, you know, and then they go back to, to kind of old school again, you know, and, and, and that's, a, that's a very sad story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what I was, um, was saying is that uh, uh, when you're changing an organization, you are not actually changing the organization, but you are changing the people working there. And, uh, and uh, to get a successful uh, change, uh, you you need to have uh, autonomous and, and agile people working there, uh, and then the change of the organization will come naturally uh, along the way. Uh, so um, so so the culture is uh, is very important, and and uh, the ways of working with with the right tools is also uh, a, a driven part in the in the culture and changing. I think. I think that's a very good, um, um, you know, point to to to, uh, to wrap up this conversation. You know, in the end of the day, um, any organization is a group of people, and it, it's really all about that. So, um, so with that said, um, 
you know, again, you know, Jerome, you know, congratulations on all the success with the company. Um, and, and, you know, hello, um, super happy to, to have you on board as a founder and your partner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all of you who's listening, you're going to see much more about, about uh, this uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, with that said, um, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.